helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Hi, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Life Transformation Radio Show. This is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services. And today I have another interesting show lined up for you. Today's show is an outflow from last week's show on loneliness in marriage. Today's show is about understanding sexual challenges in marriage. And we have had a lot of requests for this show online. We had a lot of people who commented. We had over 139 people comment uh, on the or like the the last post Facebook post that we made on loneliness in marriage. And so today we want to follow up on that and we're going to be talking about understanding sexual challenges in marriage. For those of you who listened to last week's show, you will know that one of the area uh, that we discussed last week was the area of lack of physical touch. One of the reasons for loneliness was lack of physical touch. And physical touch includes sexual intimacy. And so today we will be going into more detail uh, talking about sexual intimacy and understanding the challenges that lead to lack of sexual intimacy in marriage. And before I do that, let me just uh, welcome all my first-time listeners and want to tell you a little bit about Elam Counseling Services. We are a non-profit organization. You can find out more about us at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Our toll-free number is one 544 Yes, we are a not-for-profit organization, so your donations help us to be able to see people at a reduced cost of counseling. And for those of you who are regular listeners, it will be no surprise to you that Melissa Wagat is here with me. My co-host is in studio. She's just ready to go, holding on to the edge of her seat, and she's ready to take off on this very important and interesting topic, understanding sexual challenges in marriage. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much, Michael. And I'm actually really excited to unpack this um, this sh- story today in this show, because this is an area like we discussed in last week's show has a huge impact on a lot of relationships. But I don't know about you, but sex is still that area sometimes that it's hard to talk about. Yes. Even with the people who are closest to you and your partner. So we're going to unpack it, hopefully, so people can get an understanding maybe right. where their challenges are coming from. Mm-hmm. And then more importantly, how they can begin to address those challenges. Absolutely. Sex is an important part of married life and it's an area that sometimes needs help. And so yes. hopefully we'll give people the tools that they can start to get the help they need. Right. So uh, I see couples who come before me that they've been struggling in this area for 10, 15 years, sometimes 30 years, and they're not really fully aware of what it is that they're struggling against. So they would have tried different things like scheduling sexual intimacy, which after a while uh, they, they are not able to to, to keep it going, or they might try different things like just uh, just engaging whether or not they feel like it, but then they feel bitter and resentful, and that falls off after a while. So they have tried different approaches to 
to to to improving this area of their life and nothing just seemed to stick so what i've realized over the years is that for people who are having these sexual challenges in their relationship it's not about the issue on the surface there is on there is always in these cases underlying psychological issues which are which are unseen and un acknowledge that are affecting the relationship. So today we want to look at seven of those psychological factors and then give some insights as to what to do if you can identify with any of these factors. So in many ways, the challenges in the bedroom are actually a symptom of some of these psychological um, issues that you're going to discuss. So to that end, what kind of psychological factors um, contribute to challenges in the bedroom? So one of the the first uh, factor that I see for a lot of men uh, who are not able to desire their wives, and uh, contrary to what many people think, a, a lot of time we 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 tend to see the Christian woman as the person who doesn't want sex, and it's the man who is interested. And uh, oftentimes we we preach the woman in this area to you know, to, to to see to it that they take care of their husband's need. But in my practice, I would say about 40% of the couples that I see, it's the woman who is saying, my husband is not showing interest in this area. And it makes me feel unloved. It, it, it makes me feel undesirable. And so uh, sex for these men, I think in a lot of cases, a psychological factor that is at play here that a lot of men in their formative years, in, in, in their teenage years when they're developing their identity sexually, sex in their minds have become linked with conquest. So they have rituals that these young men would perform without knowing that it's a ritual where they would go to clubs and they would see that female across the room who is, isn't apparently not looking at them but you know flirting a little bit and then they would try to 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 conquer or to 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 conquer that that female and you know take her home uh, to to spend the night and then the next day they would go on to so, the next weekend I should say they go on to something else so sex becomes this kind of conquest for these men and there are jokes about not for me it's not a joke but some men talk talk about uh, notches in their belt and they boast about the the, the conquest that they have had for women that they have, have somehow had the victory over so for these men their identity uh their, their sexual identity has been shaped in these formative years and it's very hard for them to function in a marriage where there is not this feeling of thrill that comes from conquering a new female and so this becomes a problem and so despite years and years of complaining by their partner these men are not able to sustain uh, full interest in their in their partner because there's not that chase anymore right there is not that chase and so what other um psychological factors come into play in sexual challenges and is there anything spiritually or how we shape in terms of our views of sex that, yes. that come into play in right this? i think for a lot of uh of christians especially there is this uh this this notion and and 
it's more a, a psychological or subconscious notion that sex is dirty. And these people will tell you, if you were to ask them, is sex something made by God? They will say, yes, of course sex is made by God, and of course it is holy, and of course there is nothing wrong with it. But if you... Uh, should notice how they talk about uh, their attitude towards sex with their partner and the way they view sex in general, you will see that sex is linked to, to sinfulness. And so this is not surprising because a lot of a lot of us in our formative years, again, our teenage years, we are told that sex is that thing that you avoid. And I'm not saying that there is nothing wrong with asking teenagers to avoid sex, but I say for some uh, some people, they have now linked sex because of maybe incorrect way in which it is done, where sexual desire in teenage years is seen as sin, and having ungodly eyes if you're interested in a, in a female, if you see a beautiful female, uh, men and women who grow up in this kind of strict religious atmosphere where they're they are told to suppress their their sexual feelings. Uh, find it sometimes hard to switch that once they get married and to now start seeing sex as this holy thing. So they'll tell you with their with their minds that yes, it is holy and it is made by God. But the way they act, you would think that God made the body and that the genitals were slapped on by the devil. Yes, they're, they're a separate construct, right? Yes. But it is so true. If you're, as you say, there's a, a appropriate way to teach kids and adolescents bring up that sex or the confines of marriage is in god's design but when you're just blankly saying it's wrong don't do it it's bad it takes those feelings and takes the goodness of those feelings in the confines of marriage away and as you say you say i do you, you leave the reception hall you walk into the hotel room or whatnot and suddenly that whole formative mindset has to go out the window and this thing you were told to avoid your whole growing up is suddenly Good go. And that for a lot of people <laughs> is not automatic. So no, exactly. a lot of Christians are not able to consummate their marriage on the honeymoon night and they have difficulties for sometimes after. And I think another one that is very closely linked with that psychological factor is where especially for for female uh, or, or Christian uh, girls, they uh, have developed in some cases this notion that sex is somehow dirty or shameful. Good girls don't do this. Uh, if you're a woman, woman, and you have strong sexual desire, uh, society makes it seem like there's something wrong with you, and the the same is not is not true for men. So a man who 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 has had s- several sexual partners before marriage is seen in some circles in society in general as someone with experience. A woman who has the same sort of uh, of sex number of sexual partners called negative words, and there there is no such word in the English. English language uh, for a man who has many sexual partners. So I, I think there is this societal societal uh, norm that makes makes females, especially, feel as if there is something dirty and shameful if you are this woman who has really strong sexual appetite. And so it's not surprising that some women find it very hard to initiate sex or to to, to show their interest in it because deep down there is this feeling that they shouldn't be doing that. 
What other do you, things do you see in your practice that contribute to challenges within marriages? Uh, sometimes it goes to the back to the experience that we have with our peers in our formative years, such as uh, how sex was used in 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 puberty. Unfortunately, for some uh, for some young people, sex has become sex was a way of being validated by by your peers and so by their peers and so girls for example they feel beautiful they were made to feel popular they were made to feel cool if they were promiscuous and so sex became this 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 thing that say i am okay people like me and so when sex is linked to validation earlier on in those formative years uh, in marriage, having one partner to validate you, it's not the same thing. So for these people who have not worked through those emotional wounds that they developed as a result of that, it becomes very hard for them to be desire to, to find their, their spouse desirable because it doesn't give them the same kind of feeling of validation and self-worth that they got when, you know, all the, the, the boys that they... they they were with uh, found them beautiful, and 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 made compliments about how cool they are or popular they are, and so these things sometimes are not uh, easily identified, and it, it 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 takes a trained psychotherapist to understand these areas to be able to pull these things out to look at the, these root causes. Yeah, as you're describing that, I was thinking so much of this is subconscious. Like yes. you're not entering the bedroom thinking, "Oh gosh, I'm not getting the validation as I did when I was young." So if you've just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Show. Today, we are talking about understanding sexual challenges in marriage. If you've missed the first half of today's show, we encourage you to listen to it on our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can call us toll free at 1-877-544-3546. And we'd be happy to send you a copy of today's show. We also want to remind you that Elam Counseling Services is a nonprofit organization that provides Christian counseling services in the Ottawa and surrounding area. And we greatly rely upon donations to be able to provide our services at a subsidized rate for those who need our services but may not be able to afford them. So if this is something that you feel called or led to do and you're financially able to provide us with a donation, we encourage you to check out our website at elamcounselingministry.com or call us at one 544 3546 and we can direct you on how to donate to this worthwhile ministry. So Michael, we're unpacking um, the different psychological factors that contribute to sexual challenges in marriage. You just finished talking about sex being linked with validation from our youth. What other things um, contribute to sexual challenges within our marriage? Another one that has become very common is that sex uh, has become linked for mostly men, but a growing number of women as well. Sex has become linked with pornography. And so in in people who have become addicted to pornography, their brain is why their brains are wired to 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 link sexual pleasure 
with looking at a computer screen, with hiding, with looking at images, with clicking a mouse. And so these things in themselves becomes like a foreplay. And so in, in the same way that couples who haven't had that kind of addiction would do things to arouse sexual desire before sex, with these uh, people who have become addicted to pornography, they don't feel the same kind of arousal for in being with a, a, a live person. They, 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 their, brain is, their brains are wired to see uh, sexual, to link sexual excitement with all of those things that come from viewing porn. And this is really sad. So we are seeing a growing number of young men who are coming in uh, to counseling who are having erectile dysfunction because they have, they're, they're in their mid-twenties and they have spent the last 12 years of their lives looking at porn images and so they're not able to just flick that switch once they get into marriage. And many of these men cannot perform in a health marital relationship because their brain has been wired to, to, to view porn. Yeah, how they, they, that stimulus that's required to elicit that arousal and stuff, it's solo based and based on that screen. So you can see how that can create challenges yes. in a marriage. Mm-hmm. What about um, the role that abuse can play Yes, in terms mm-hmm. of how we view sex and intimate relationships that must play a factor i think in, in, in yes absolutely in some cases sex has become linked with the role of the abuser so uh the abuser in, in some cases a father a dad and uh in some case uh the it, it's a it's a, it's a mother and so these these states or these titles carry psychological power. So as one person said, it says, the moment she became, I'm just quoting your quote, the moment she became a mother, my interest changed. It was as if I saw her differently, even though she was still beautiful, unquote. And so uh, people sometimes cannot understand why is it that I just have this switch that seems to just... uh, turned off the moment this person's status changed from from changing to being a mother. And so it's quite possible that there are, are psychological factors, especially if you if you had issues with your your mother being an abuser, that you you are now linking subconsciously this person's new title. Someone else says after this light bulb went on in their head to counseling, they said, it now make quote, it now makes sense. He's a dad. And my expectation with a dad who abused me was now triggered by my husband becoming a dad. Not only was I no longer interested in sex with him, but I harbored unacknowledged unacknowledged fear that he may abuse our daughter the same way my father abused me. So these are powerful psychological triggers that often is not talked about and go unacknowledged, but at the same time they are negatively impacting the dynamic in the in the in the relationship. And how jarring too, especially if you've been going along with a healthy sexual relationship and then all of a sudden it changes as you say you really need that professional to unpack that you may think well i'm in a new role we're stressed out we're busy and attribute the changes to that but in these cases 
It's that maybe unacknowledged or unrecognized abuse right. for the past that may actually be what the problem is. Right. And something that is very similar to that, like uh, people talk about how just after marriage, the person that, that was very uh, sexually playful and always interested in sex, right after the ceremony, it's like they've entered a new wo- wo- world where sex is no longer uh, something that the person is interested in. And it's quite possible that in that case, there is something linked to the role of becoming a wife or a husband where sex is no longer this rebellious thing that I did to get back at mom and dad. But now I'm doing something that mom and dad approves of. And so so it's no longer as thrilling as, as it was before. But I think that's an interesting reverse of the thing we had talked about earlier. Where some yes. people are so pious and pure before mm-hmm. and then suddenly they can't make that switch how yes absolutely. there's always that both sides so how interesting that our brains are powerful michael my gosh um what is the another way that we see challenges come about in marriage as it relates to I sexual think, intimacy i think this is the seventh one we have talked about but this this seventh one has to do with sex is linked with with anxiety and so for people who are sexually or, or sexually abused for example that they might feel a lot of anxiety around sex they are triggered uh there are certain kind of touch certain kind of kiss that creates anxiety and so this will be the, actually the topic of our next show next week, Melissa, where we we will be talking about how to deal with triggers during intimacy, because there are a lot of people uh, in our Christian churches who they're they're they are being limited in this way. They can't have the kind of vibrant, loving uh, life that sex life that God created them to have, because they have unresolved issues from the past that is being triggered by the sexual act. And, and in a lot of cases, it's not acknowledged, it's not talked about, but they just shy away from it without saying what it is. So uh, sexual abuse is one thing that uh, that can create anxiety around sex. Another thing has to do with feelings of inadequacy, where people might feel because of negative body image or genital inadequacy that they, they're not able to perform or they're not desirable. And so these things can wreak havoc in in a marital relationship. So one of the old adages I've heard around this sometimes is that concept of when you're experiencing these things, just do it. Yes. Just do it. Yes. And everything will be okay. Like it's a Nike ad, just do it. In your experience, does this just do it advice work? I I think uh, it's one of the misconceptions and I hear a lot of well-meaning uh, teachers telling women, you know, just do it and so forth. And I think it can be a dangerous thing to just do it. I think in addition to do it, you also need to deal with the underlying issues that are making you not wanting to do it. That is making you find all kind of excuses that doesn't make sense, right? You don't have time for sex, but you can spend hours watching all kinds of TV shows, right? There's something there that's amiss and we need to get to the root cause of those issues. So the just do it doesn't work in this case because if you just do it, it's going to build resentment and bitterness. And this suppressed resentment and bitterness will surface in other areas of the marriage. So someone's identified with the things we've talked about and we know just do it isn't going to work. What steps should they do to start changing their 
Well, I think I think the first step, Melissa, is to find out which of these seven categories that we have just explained you fall under. The Bible talk about knowing the truth and the truth making you free. As long as these things uh, remain unacknowledged and un, and and unidentified, it it makes the sexual intimacy very confusing and a mystery that we can't seem to solve. So, and in this regard, we have a form that is called that is called understanding your sexual challenges questionnaire that has these seven these seven areas and it's for you to check off and to see where you fall like which one of these issues might be at work in your relationship so if you're listening to my voice and you're having you need help in understanding the challenge that you're having be sure to, to call us or contact us or number six one three uh, sorry, one eight seven seven five four four three five four six, and we'll be happy to send you out this form uh, free of cost. And so, once someone completes that form and goes through that, what are the next steps they should take? I think one of the next important step is to arrange a sex talk with your spouse, because a lot of times these issues that are creating the discord and and conflict in a relationship are never talked about outside of the heat of the moment. So it's an, it's when you're going to bed and you're frustrated because things didn't work out the way that you wanted it to, that you flare up, you become angry and you storm into the other room or you, you turn your back and then, you know, don't go back to it the next day. The next day, life continues. But I think it's important to to arrange the sex talk and and talk about this, the issues. But what if you're that person though who feels like I could never talk about my spouse or to my spouse about this? What if I hurt their feelings? It's such an intimate topic. How can I share that? I'm not feeling okay with this. That's a very good question, Melissa. And I think a lot of people find themselves there where they're afraid because they might have tried and the person feels as as if you're putting them down. So I think if this is the case where you're finding finding it really difficult to talk to your spouse, then this might indicate that there are other problems in the relationship that needs to be as uh, needs to be addressed. And it might be uh, communication challenges, like learning how to communicate around serious matter and the professional help might be needed here as well. And so you alluded to the fact that next week we will be talking about anxiety as a really when you're experiencing anxiety um, and triggers when you're inter engaging, pardon me, in sexual intimacy. While people are waiting for next week's show, are there steps that they can do begin to address those issues within their intimate I'm so glad you asked that, Melissa, because I think it's so important for people to have some tool to begin to work with. And I think if you're being triggered in a sexual intimacy context, there is this four-step procedure that I highly recommend and that I've used, and it's very effective in people. And I think the first, I think you can use it. It's very simple. The first step is to stop. If you're in a sexual act where you're doing something and you realize that you're having a panic attack or you're feeling angry, angry for no reason at all, or you feel like running, then stop what you're doing and begin to to uh, just notice where you are. The second step after stopping is to soothe yourself. So take deep breaths, sit up if you are lying down, and uh, soothe yourself by saying things like, I am safe, I am with my husband, I am not in any danger. This is a safe context. This is not the situation that I was in. The third step is to focus on your surroundings, like who you are with. Yes, it's my husband. Uh, what does it feel like to touch his skin? Uh, look, Consider all of those factors. And also you might want to look at what does the scripture 
scripture say about what we are doing? How is this different than what happened? So as you focus on the situation in these way, the, the anxiety will go because triggers, you can wait out triggers. And, and by going through this procedure, this four, this four step procedure, the trigger will, will in most cases go away. And then the fourth step after you have done that is to replace, replace that negative, uh, that negative response with a more, with a different response. Choose to act differently than the automatic response that you are given. So you might want to run from your husband because of that touch. Choosing to replace that with something else might mean that you give your husband a hug and together you you continue on this sexual journey. I'm excited already for next week's show. Absolutely. And there's so much more I want to share here, Melissa. So stay tuned if you're listening to this show next week. And uh, thank you for joining us. We have come to the end of today's show. We want to remind you that we are a nonprofit organization and your your donation will help us to continue this radio broadcast and to continue counseling at a subsidized rate. So uh, you can get a hold of us by calling one 877 or go to our website at So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services. And Melissa Waggett. Praying together that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Thank you.